I'm Michael Laurie and you're listening to the Ulster Rugby Roundup. Hello and welcome to the Ulster Rugby Roundup's World Cup Special, brought to you in association with Remus Uomo, Victoria Square Belfast and Stockists Nationwide. Hello and welcome to the post-squad announcement Ulster Rugby Roundup with me, Gareth Hanna. Today are Jonathan Bradley and in for his first appearance of the season, Michael Sadler. Hi everybody, thank you very much. I didn't let you say hello there, sorry. You didn't oh, really. straight into something else, but hi, I'm here too. <laughs> we have all the winners and losers to look at from Monday's accelerated unveiling of Ireland's 31-man World Cup panel. Back in provincial matters, Ulster's season has begun and the senior side begin with a home friendly against Glasgow this weekend. Before that though, the Ireland squad of course, and first up, Will Addison. We thought he was going to be in, the leaked squad on Monday morning said he was going to be in, so what happened? There was, I suppose, a bit of a break between the squad that was um, breaking in the morning, and well, sorry, the rumours that were going around about the squad in the morning and then the squad that subsequently appeared. I'd say there's probably a connection between the two in the sense that if all the information out there had it been 100%, maybe the RFU wouldn't have brought up their announcement. Yeah. But um, the two differing ones that were out there in the morning, or certainly later in the morning, were Addison and Farrell and Herring and Cronin. Um, Joe Schmidt said the other day, or said yesterday. Was Herring in some of them? Only. Only yesterday morning, but I didn't even not in as many places as Addison because Addison yeah, was obviously yeah. in everybody's yeah. um, that they had. But Joe Schmidt speaking yesterday said that it had come just uh, just too soon for him. Obviously, he played very well, not like a perfect performance, but he played very well. He showed we can do. Very impressive, I thought, under the high ball and just sparking those counter attacks that were led to believe Ireland are going to look to use more in the World Cup. But just with all the injury problems he's had, just too much ground to make up, evidently. But Joe Schmidt said, Michael, last week, that it was such a big opportunity for Will Addison. He basically, to me anyway, made it sound like it was coming down to this performance. And as John said, Will seemed to seemed to have a good game. Yeah, well, it had to come down to this performance, really. Uh, but he just it, it reminds me of what happened to Andrew Trimble in the last time, four years ago. He came back as well in the warm-ups from injury. Played very well, but was effectively left out because he just hadn't played enough for Joe Schmidt's liking to take him. And this is exactly what's happened to uh, to Will Addison. Um, he did everything that he needed to do. He showed quite a number of very deft touches and, and very neat skills that would be of enormous benefit in Japan. But um, I think Joe Schmidt mentioned that when he came to camp, he had a niggle with his calf, so he didn't really. And we'd heard before that, that he wasn't really training, mm-hmm. so we had all sort of ruled him out. And then suddenly we all ruled him in because <laughs> ping, he appeared. Um, but he's he's decided that, um, that he just can't take him. Um, now, it could well be that clearly he would be on a reserve list, you would like to think. Yeah. Unless Joe Schmidt has again decided or made this decision, I don't think he's made this clear, that he just hasn't played enough rugby and maybe he should just go and play with Ulster. And we'll look... And Andy Farrell can look at you sort of thing. We don't. Mm. I don't think we know exactly where Will is in relation to potentially getting called out mm-hmm. or, or high up on a reserve list but no that was the, that was a surprise from our perspective obviously everybody particularly down south and those tinged with blue were all going oh, aghast at what happened to Devon Toner but there yeah. it was Will Addison 
Um, I don't think, I think everyone would have been t was taken aback by that one. We all thought yeah. that that display and the fact that I remember he'd been brought off and then he came back on again. I think, didn't Joe Schmidt say he cramped up so they just yeah, brought yeah. him off again? It all looked like, yes, yes, you've done yeah, enough, yeah. let's just protect you, wrap you yeah. up in cotton wool, here's your plane ticket. So that, 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 that did, that, that was a definite curveball. Just the way he spoke so positively about him as well, which doesn't always happen. No. Before and after? Yeah, uh, you know, there was that one line in it, he's a little bit undercooked, sandwiched in the middle of lots of praise, but it turned yeah. out that that one almost aside was the important point. But if you look at all the wider squad selections, tight calls, Klein over Toner, even Ruddock over Murphy, and Chris Farrell over Addison. The one thing that jumps out is the fact that power mm. is more valuable than versatility, which is not <laughs> what we would have traditionally associated with a 31-man World Cup squad played on the other side of the world. So this, to me, looks very much like a squad that is built to play, one, or to combat a certain type of game, and two... You wouldn't do that in the end of this podcast, <laughs> would you? <laughs> Definitely if if he side. did, he'd be out of it, that's <laughs> exactly. for sure. Um, We're more forgiving here. <laughs> and two, that players can come in to play their position when he wants to rotate. So is Jordy Murphy a better cover back row because he can play 6-7-8? Absolutely. But obviously what Joe Schmidt wants is somebody that he can say, right, you go play 6 against... Um, Samoa and Russia that's unfortunate for Jordy because he never actually had the chance to play <laughs> 7 he was yeah. always sort of looked like he was maybe being pitched in Ireland squads as that versatile swingman across the back row and didn't get the chance at 7 but that seems to be what the priorities be yes we always thought that clearly if the more versatile you were the better chance you would have but we're obviously somewhat wrong in that assumption and that well, to my mind, take the Scotland game aside, they fully expect to, to win every game. And this side is primarily picked now to deal with the massive power that they're going to face either against South Africa or New Zealand. If that's not being too presumptuous in assuming that they will get out of the pool, I think anything else would be just yeah. too shocking to contemplate. But it looks very much like that. that is the case, especially with Sean Klein who we've been told again and again is a, is a tight-head scrummager on the tight-head side, which is quite a specialist position. Uh, most second rows like doing left or right. There is a difference in them, and he needs and keeps stressing he wants that, and that's important to him. Not that necessarily John Klein's his first pick, because he probably isn't. It's going to be James mm -hmm. Ryan and Ian Henderson. But these are the sort of players he wants in the background, yeah. who if he has to bring in... Um, now, that's the one that obviously is, is, has, has got everyone's eyebrows raised, because he was anonymous against England... And you'd wonder, well, what can he do in situations like that? And he's, he didn't have a line-out presence. But this is the way Joe Schmidt is clearly now thinking. And um, he's decided that that's what he wants to go for. Par as opposed to that, what Devin Toner brought, which was, I can run a line-out and win them for you. Whether this works or not, this is, this is the gamble, isn't it? Yeah. So just before we talk a little bit more about <coughs> um, Devin Toner, you had written yesterday, it was something that I noticed from one of... Um, Joe Schmidt's quotes, sort of talking up Gary Ringrose's versatility, and it, it's it's that versatility that maybe has played a part in Will Addison being left out. I think if we could say it, maybe it's perceived 
versatility. <laughs> like Gary Rose hasn't, well, apart from um, at the weekend, hasn't played these positions at test level. From talking to people last week, there's a certain amount of doubt that he ever played some of these positions at school that he's allegedly can cover at international level. So this idea that Gary Wingers can play anywhere along your back line, I don't think it's going to happen. I think we're going to see Gary Wingers at 13. And I think where we all thought when Schmidt was talking about maybe making mistakes four years ago, we all assumed he was talking about not taking enough like scrum halves, so, you know, or whatever, so that it ended up that Ian Madigan hadn't got the reps at 10 that he wanted, or whatever. What it turns out he actually may have meant was that he prioritised versatility too much. Because you look at somebody, you know, Michael mentioned Andrew Trimble. Andrew Trimble <coughs> lost out, yes, because of injury, but had showed form when he came back, but he could only play one position. Now guys that can only play one position or guys that can play two positions have been favoured or sorry have lost favour have gained favour over guys that can play multiple positions and maybe we should have seen this coming because Ireland at the weekend had notionally Gary Ringrose covering 10 when yeah. their scrum half who can cover 9 and 10 had already been cut from the squad mm-hmm. you know 6 months ago irrespective of what you think about John Cooney's form and on form I still think he would be there as one of the two scrum halves but the thing that we thought was going to tip him over the edge was versatility and Josh, by cutting him Josh Miller had already signposted the fact that versatility wasn't as valued by him as we thought it was going to be it just so happened that none of us picked up on it What about Jordy Murphy? Um, Harry and Eilis Daddy asked uh, do you think Jordy is regretting his decision to join Ulster as it was rightly reported that he was joining for regular match time to cement his World Cup place? Well he might not be the only one I'm sure Jack McGraw is wondering <laughs> about that as well um, uh, it, uh, I, I don't know whether he has risen I think he, 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 had a, he had a very good shout to make it and uh, he would be one of the ones who would feel quite rightly so pretty hard done by because of, of what he can do but um, yes there, as I say there'd be a number of people p- probably wondering just what you know playing here at Ulster has necessarily done for their international careers I mean John Cooney obviously be another one though in fairness he, he did get in and he was nowhere near it but now he's been cut when we all thought that he might be might be there uh, mm-hmm. Rob Herring might be thinking the same thing um, you know and, 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 and you know so it, so it goes on well Addison too uh, you know these people Naturally, made no secret about the fact they hope and want to play for Ireland, particularly Geordie coming here, but it hasn't worked. Um, that's not to say he won't get out to Japan, but obviously yeah. not as as a, as a front runner now, having been cut. Um, well, I don't know. Maybe we'll get the opportunity to ask him sometime. You never <laughs> know. But um, one thing's for sure: Ulster are kind of looking pretty good for the start of the Pro exactly. 14. Do you think? I mean, it's the the lowest ever amount of Ulster players in an Ireland squad at a World Cup. Do you think this could have ramifications for more players from down south in the future who might now think twice about coming to Ulster? I think everybody will look at it on an individual basis, thinking that you're going to give yourself the best chance if you're getting minutes. But the problem with Geordie was Geordie left Leinster 
which in turn created more minutes for Jack Conan and Reese Ruddock, who were two people who he was being picked ahead of by the time he left Leinster, and two people who hadn't gone down that route when there was an opportunity for them to join Ulster. So that decision, looking at it in the way that Geordie framed it of, I consider myself an Irish rugby player rather than a Leinster player or an Ulster player, first and foremost. I want to be an Irish rugby player. Hasn't worked out. I don't think it's because he came to Ulster. I think it's I think Geordie's versatility worked against him because he could played too many times at eight rather than mm-hmm. seven for Ireland because he could. Yeah. And that didn't give him the best opportunity to show what he can do as a very, very good seven. In terms of does somebody who signed to play for Les Kiss and John O'Gibbs at Ulster ended up not. But with a view to get in the World Cup and then didn't get in the World Cup squad, regret it. Genuinely, obviously, you would have to ask him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he wouldn't tell you if he did. No, probably not. <laughs> no, but I think it's fair not. to say that every international player's aspiration is to feature in the World Cup. Yeah. And you will do whatever you can to enhance the prospect of you getting there. Yeah. So it's going to be devastating whether they admit it or not. It, it has yeah. to be. But I was just on that point. Uh, also, Ireland are quite light on sevens when you think about it as well. The, the only natural seven that I see they have is Josh van der Fleer. Jordy could kind of do that. He could he could operate at seven. So, you know, they're also going in that regard without, if you like, someone who can operate on the deck and is is, is renowned for getting over ball. They're hoping, obviously, that people like Peter Manny will be able to do it, or maybe to a degree Rory Best. But that specialist position, you know, that. They just with Jordy, he could he could quite rightly put his hand up and go, yes, I can do that. Yeah, yeah, but I hadn't thought about it like that, but it, that's wild that Jordy didn't get in the squad when Sean O'Brien and Dan Levy are injured. So there's five back rowers, there's two injured. Uh-huh. That one certainly would have went, one almost certainly would have went, and he still doesn't make he it. He still doesn't make it. So um, I don't know whether that will come back. To, to bite them in any way I don't know if that's the way they're thinking about these things anymore in that sense but as Jonathan points out yeah, th- those guys if they've been fit certainly um, you'd expected them to go yeah. Do we know the the figures on how many was the least Ulster players before this? Five Five, okay So A even if times. we're trying to shoehorn Chris Farrell it, it still doesn't help us <laughs> It's in, not really going to work is it? <laughs> I don't think it's going to work you, well, you can partly claim it. <laughs> yeah, half? Three, three and a half, yeah. I don't know, it was three like, and a half. Because then you'd have to look at it. Like, if you claim Chris Farrell, yeah, you do, you, do you lose, like, <laughs> Tom Court from 2011 or Jared Payne from 2015, and then we'd have to do the whole calculation again? Mm. You can do that for next week. That would be mm. far too much effort yeah. for, for what it's worth. Chris Toulas, do you think uh, Joe Schmidt had his Leinster eyes on for um, picking the squad? I think if he, if he had his Leinster eyes on, I don't think he would have dropped somebody that he's picked almost every time he can for the past ten years. Yeah. Um, I'd say there's a few um, a few Leinster fans looking at Devon Toner's omission and thinking he's probably picked the squad with uh, a monster bias, but that's um, that's World Cup squad. Well, that's just Ireland squads for you, isn't it? Yeah. Like everyone looks at it and thinks their team's been harshly done by. There's I would say almost certainly Connacht fans that can't believe that Kieran Marmion hasn't gone. Yeah. But also at the same time, just on the point we were making about Ulster, Connacht have two players in this one, just one less than yeah. an Ulster. 
I doubt that has happened before, but I, I mm, sound yeah. to be corrected. I can't remember. Um, just for them uh, to get to get the two, and also just to get one more is. Uh, mm. Well, they would have had. No, Marmion didn't go the last time. Oh, no. So the last time they would have had Nathan White and Robbie Henshaw. But Ulster would have had more. But Ulster would have had, five. yeah. So there was still that gap there. I yeah, don't think that's the sign of the time. I might, I might be forgetting somebody. Yeah, they what about had more than two the last Delan time. didn't go the last time, did he? No, Delan made his debut in Twickenham the year after. Yeah. Just on Devon Turner, I mean, you talked about it a little bit earlier, but Chris Henry's view in today's column was very interesting, and you've talked, you have talked about it, about the, the power side of things, and that's what this squad is based on, is that... Does that tell us everything we need to know about modern rugby? In a lot of ways, yeah. Great column from Chris to start off the season. Like, no, uh, no pre-season roster or anything from him. Just, nope. just straight nope. in. Match there. fitness still yeah. there. Absolutely, just abs- absolutely right off the bat with with a good one talking about the idea that by the time he'd retired, he didn't think that there was room for a player like him, as opposed to the players that he used, obviously his contemporaries. Stephen Ferris and Sean O'Brien, of a player that had to use, I suppose, a bit of a bit of their rugby brain to find themselves in the positions mm-hmm. to succeed, rather than having the physical attributes that led them to succeed. And he uses the phrase intellectual property when it comes to Devon Toner and just everything that he's banked from working with Leo Cullen, working with even John O'Gibbs, uh, playing with Paul O'Connell playing with Donica Ryan, all that stored knowledge of the Lionite, mm-hmm. and that's cast aside for yeah. somebody who can scrum better as a tight head lock. And of course, bearing in mind what you saw at Twickenham, I know it didn't get great even when he came on, but the, the, the mess that England made, with only two recognised lineout jumpers, mm-hmm. uh, the mess they made of Ireland's lineout was something, it was high behind the sofa moment, and you would fear that without that banker, uh, assuming he is a banker, because at 6 foot 10, or 9, whichever, I've seen both, does anybody know? Um, there's a question. He is mostly sound on that ball, and it is so vitally important to secure that ball. Mm. So, I guess that's the main fear, isn't it? That without that, uh, quality international sides will be able to unpick Ireland's uh, line Plus you've got, as we've also we talked before we came on air, a new line-out caller, in the sense we assume James Ryan or, or Ian Henderson, who have tried this at international level without having been hugely successful. Um, yeah. It's putting a lot of pressure on either one of them, assuming that it is those two who will yeah. call these line-outs, um, rather than, say, the likes of Peter O'Mahony, who I think we, we, we don't think does. So it, it, it's, an, it's very interesting. Uh, they've put it all on this, this guy who can come in, scrummage hard, hit rocks presumably hard, um, but may not actually even feature unless he's in the you know, the, the other pool games against the likes of Samoa, Russia, whichever they decide, you know, maybe go stronger against Japan, I'm not sure what way they'll, they'll work. Yeah. I might be way off base for this, but is the line not more important than the scrum? Uh, yes. Like, as a, as obviously a, if you're getting completely like, milled in the scrum, yeah. it's a disaster. But is the difference between Devon Toner and Jean Klein's par in the scrum? The same as the difference between Devon Toner at the line out to John Klein at, um, at the scrum because it's all well and good saying 
Omaro Toje react our line out, but we're not going to play Maro Toje until we get to a semi final or a final. Mm. But Johnny Gray is one of the best disruptors of line out ball going. We've seen that multiple times in the Pro 14 where he's just ruined an Ulster game by destroying their line out. So it's not like I'd be far more worried about Scotland's line out would be the short way of saying this rather mm-hmm. than the long-winded way that I've gone for than I would be with their power in the scrum which let's face it isn't great yeah. no it, it's a very it's a very big worry sides who are undone at the line out don't win games as yeah. well there's a question from Mark Dempsey who asks who do you think was luckiest to get into the Ireland squad and who should feel most aggrieved at, at being left out we may be able to already cover them but I think the unluckiest player is Kieran Morgan. Mm. Because if you look at it, in order to win a World Cup, you have to beat New Zealand and you have to beat England. The only player in the Ireland squad who's done that at scrum half, well, sorry, the only person in the history of Irish rugby <laughs> who's done that as a scrum half not named Conor Murray is Kieran Marmion but he's been edged out by Luke McGrath Luke McGrath I think started once and has possibly played one Six Nations game didn't make the Six Nations squad the last time lost out to John Cooney for the Australia squad in 2018 so this doesn't look to me like it's been a long term um, plan he's obviously got more familiarity with both Sexton and um, Carberry from when he was playing um, at Leinster but yeah. Kerry Marmont done it for Ireland mm. and it almost looks like it was such a 50-50 decision in Joe's mind I'm sure it wasn't but Luke McGrath made that tackle against Wales to save a try I wonder and you know was that the swing because that seems like a very small amount of data in a four year cycle yeah so would you is that your your parent your Helen Marmion down as the unluckiest and Luke McGrath is the luckiest to get him I don't know if I would say Luke McGrath is the luckiest to get in. I think it's very hard to look past Klein as the luckiest <laughs> to get in because he just has the least credit in the bank. Now, it's not his fault that he wasn't qualified. Yeah. But he's played twice and once wasn't very good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I Just to be slightly different, I, I think Jordy Murphy's quite possibly mm-hmm. one of the unluckiest. Um, he's lost out to Reese Ruddock, a favourite of Joe Schmidt's, who has had a number of injury issues and... Well, you know, I I just feel that Murphy would provide something a wee bit more than just that power that Reese Ruddock. The Ruddock also can obviously captain the side too, and has done so in the past. I feel that Jordy may have thought that he had done enough, mm-hmm. and I feel that that might have been well, it may not have been as close a call as the Marmion Luke McGrath one, because I think in Joe's mind he he would always feel that he might have an edge for Ruddock, mm-hmm. but I. I feel Jordy's been very unlucky in that regard, yeah. being able to go six, seven, eight. Yeah. Well, just because these guys have missed out on the squad now doesn't mean they're not going to go yeah. to Japan at some stage or other. So there's probably still a fair chance that we will get uh, at least one more Ulster player out there. What are we looking at? Three of them and three of them waiting well, in the wings. I think you'd be surprised. To be honest, you'd probably be even be surprised if this 31-man squad took off for Japan. Well, yeah. Yeah, we've got a bit be, to go. Yeah. You'd be baffled 
in a positive way, I suppose. You would be baffled if Arnhem went through without getting an injury. Yeah. Because yeah. this tournament, you in order to win it, you have to play seven games in 41 days. <laughs> it's a wild schedule, <laughs> essentially, um, to not get to assume that you're not going to get injuries. You know, we saw guys like the last time Mike McCarthy wasn't even in the training squad and ended up at the World Cup the last time. I didn't play, but. Much to Dan Tui's chagrin. <laughs> didn't like that call, but anyway, yeah. Yeah. And um, Isaac Boss, you know, there was an awful mm. lot of talk about Isaac Boss getting left behind uh, four years ago. Again, didn't play, but still made it out there. Um, Reese Ruddock was another one, you know, this time, maybe the. Maybe the reverse. Jordy went ahead of Reese Ruddock mm. the last time. That's flipped, but Reese still made it out four years ago. Maybe even ended up on the bench for that Argentina quarterfinal, possibly. Well, things were, were slipping so badly, he could well have easily ended up, and I can't really recall yeah. now. Um, yeah. But but, the, but Addison. I uh, I I yeah, of course. I mean, but I, and I do. Jordy will all be on direct. It, well, you would think so, unless, as I said earlier, that oh, he's looked at Addison, Addison? Yeah. and he's just said, "Look, you, you haven't played enough. That's why mm. I've left you out. Why would I? Why would he bring him out now? He still wouldn't have played enough, mm-hmm. unless he's just told him to go and get games under his belt." Yeah. Um, the thing is, though, you, like you mentioned Trimble earlier, that's what we always assumed with Trimble four years ago, and he came and he started the season really yeah. well. I think he played here. What was it like four days after the squad or something, and then. You know, when an injury in the back line came, it wasn't him. Yeah, they got called out. That's right. Um, mm. Though, of course, Ulster will be in South Africa after their first game against the Ospreys. They go to South Africa, don't they? So, yeah. whether or not that, that's not much of an advantage because yeah. they're only about an hour, maybe two maximum ahead. So it's not really. Mm. I hadn't actually considered that. Yeah, but obviously after they're the first there, game here. Yeah, they're there uh, early. So that's mid October. Mm-hmm. That's the Samoa, and, or sorry, Russia, and then Samoa games. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, if you are going to call somebody up, they're way out. They're out there. Is that further away? Probably. Might just be logistically more difficult. Mm-hmm. As uh, well. I don't know if it's further away. There's an interesting one for the <laughs> geographers out there. Is that further away to go, say, from South Africa to Japan than from here? Would playing at altitude have an effect if you were then to be mm. moved to? Japan, which yep. obviously closer, much closer to sea level, but different humidity. I don't know. We need, uh, yeah, need to look into that. Physiologist or something. Yeah. Uh, this is true, and whether or not that would rule you out, uh, whether or not that. I mean, the the flight time again wouldn't be. Would it be substantially longer? I don't think so. No. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, doubt it. anyway, doubt it. it is interesting doubt. to think, isn't it? Well, that's where some of those guys, in theory, will be. And they'll have to be there because, especially with the likes of Will Addison, if Joe Schmidt's interested in him, he wants him to play, and Will Addison has to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, plus also you'd think Dan McFarland would be thinking, "That's fine, let's go and get maximum points here mm-hmm. during the World Cup <laughs> yeah, window. Let, let's use our guys, you know." Seventeen hours twenty from Johannesburg to Tokyo, apparently. Uh, what, what difference is that from here? Depends on where you fly. Well, you know, you fly. It'll take me considerably longer to get there, but I think my travel budget and the RFUs are probably slightly different. <laughs> That's fair. Um, as regards the, the other Ulster guys who are in the squad then, um, 
Jacob Stockdale there's a question in from Nathan McLenahan who uh, he points out that Stockdale and Dave Carney shared time at left wing last Saturday is Stockdale's place not as assured as we all thought uh, and could he have been overtaken had he not shown uh, on Saturday what does Larmer bring uh, uh, what does Larmer bring compared to Addison then except a, a clean bill of health he's fit and he's played more games for Ireland um, if what about the Stockdale one is he nailed on to be the first choice starter Yes, I think if Dave Carney had have went ahead of Jacob Stockdale as much as some people like to joke about Joe Schmidt's faith in Dave Carney, it would have been the most controversial World <laughs> Cup call of all time. Quite possible. You, you, you saw what Jacob Stockdale brings. Uh, okay, you know, sometimes he doesn't have necessarily great games. Those were also systemic issues, I think, between him. But, you know, he can find out. But look what he can do when he has the ball. Mm-hmm. Look how he can score tries. And boy, is he, does he score tries for Ireland, as we know. And, you know, that's that's, uh, that's invaluable. You've got to have that. You mm-hmm. simply have to. I mean, that, that time, do you remember? I can't remember. Did he score the try effort with Chris Farrell threw out the big pass to him off his right hand? Did he score from that? Was that the kick-ahead one? Or was that just one that he stepped a few people? I can't no, remember. No, that was one where he just stepped, stepped a, few a few people. people. That may have also helped get Chris Farrell on board, <laughs> just even that one moment. Look what he can do. That fired out that mm-hmm. really, they didn't do that much in terms of those sort of long cutout passes but look what he can do you know he could he stepped two Welsh defenders yeah. bang like that and um, you can't not go with <laughs> and, 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 and Jordan Larmer can do that too of course yeah. um, so they have that ability um, out on the flanks if mm-hmm. that's the way they choose I don't I don't think I'm sure you'd agree Jonathan that Jordan Larmer's going to get in ahead of Keith Earls or yeah. they would risk him at 15 so yeah. Jacob's nailed Jacob's nailed you're listening to the Ulster Rugby Roundups World Cup Special, brought to you in association with Remus Victoria Square Belfast and Stockist Nationwide. Almost forgot that we need to uh, update ourselves on where Jacob Stockdale is in the all-time Ireland scoring list oh, yeah. into the top you 10. Like top 10? You don't even have to go into ESPN Scrum anymore, you can get it on Wikipedia. Fantastic, what a so, day to be alive. I know, So right? where are we? Top 10. Um, sorry, number 10 in the top 10. Oh, number 10, okay. Yeah. And um, who level, has he jumped ahead of? Level with Ronan O'Gara now, so he's... Seriously? Like, yes. And, and he's played, what, 20, 21 games? 20. 22, something, 20. 21 caps now, yeah. 21, yeah. yeah. Um, how, many, how many tries is it? We're putting you in the spot here. 16. 16, 16 tries in 21 games. One behind, no less a figure than Andrew Trimble. Wow. Mm. Yeah. So... Next time Ireland play, it'll be level or ahead of Andrew Trimble. He, he played what 69? something like that. No, so he played seventy. It was Bo, Bo played sixty nine, but then had the Lions caps. As, as well. he incl- which includes yes. if it's yes. ever said <laughs> that Trimble played more. <laughs> many many tries does Bo have? Thirty. Okay, so he's a wee while to go yet. That's kind of mental. That those, are, those are literally the only players I know. So don't ask me any more questions <laughs> about it. Who's leading it though? Who scored the most? Yeah. How many? Do you know? I think it's 46, but I'm not 100% sure. Jacob has to have his eyes. Imagine the podcast the day, if the podcast is still going by now. Um, <laughs> what are you Rory, talking about? It'll be after like the Samoa game. Yeah, that's true. Um, Rory Best then got uh, more kind words from Joe Schmidt yesterday. Uh, there seems to be an awful lot of them in the last week since Rory was getting a lot of flack after the England game. Um, but despite what everybody's saying, what a lot of the Dublin journalists anyway have been saying Rory Best is absolutely still Ireland's captain and first choice by a mile 
Yes, well, it looks like it. I think one of the advantages from Rory's point of view that he's had is that he hasn't been put under the pressure for the position uh, by the likes of Sean Cronin or, or you know, Rob Herring even. Obviously, it would be very difficult for him and and, um, and Mr. Scannell. So, uh, yeah, there's been an issue for a year or two now, you know, emanating from the South about Rory's place in, in the team. And on the whole, I think it's fair to say he tends to answer partly answer those critics from time, you know from time to time. But obviously the Twickenham thing was like a game too far, really. And at 37, you know you can hear the knives shouting all the time. Um, there's no guarantee. There's no. There's never a guarantee in anything, is there? Yeah. He could an injury could fell him, and that could be it. But I, I'm sure most people would probably agree that he is likely to play and start in the significant games if he can. Mm -hmm. And that any idea that he would be dropped and the captaincy maybe given to like Peter Romani is 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 not is probably I, I can't I just can't see it happening. Yeah. Um. With Ian Anderson then uh, as well, the the three Ulster players are there are absolutely um three of the big players for for Ireland, which I suppose we have that to cling to. Well, you were always going to have those three. It was just whether he was going to join them, and it turned out it was nobody. Nobody. Me and yeah. the other Ulster men. Yeah, that's true. Um, you're now our, our representative. Um, so it's all in all, with the squad, I was just going to say it is good for Ian Anderson because he appears to have, uh, from basically being a bench player in the days when it was James Ryan and Devon Toner, has now but seemingly put himself into the starting team, mm -hmm. which would be a uh, very positive development indeed. So all in all, with the squad, how how highly do you rate this this Ireland squad now that we know the thirty one men? It's a really good squad. Like let's not. Uh Whenever a squad like this comes out, everyone focuses on who's not there rather than who is there. It's a very good squad. It's got a real depth to it. It's not as individually talented for me as 2007. It doesn't have Paul O'Connell. It doesn't have Brian O'Driscoll, so on and so forth. But it might well be the deepest squad that Ireland have ever taken to a World Cup when you look at the quality of players that are missing out through injury and non-selection. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, I, it's not, it's not a poor selection. Let's just uh, step back from all mm -hmm. the angst about those who haven't made yeah. it. It's a very strong team. It's a very strong squad. It has the ability to get to that quarterfinal in hopefully rude health. It has hopefully the ability to really to to, to challenge very strongly against the likes of either the All Blacks or South Africa if we get there. And I, quite honestly, I I, I can't see. That, you know, there are too many people who have been badly snubbed here when you take into account what they must do in order to make a semi-final for the very first time. Yeah. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Uh, if we look at Ulster then, as Michael has alluded to already, uh, the good news of all this means that Ulster uh, should start the season very, very well indeed. Uh, Scott Rutherford asks, are they going to be favourites for the league now? Well, to be fair... Um Connacht in 2015, built on, as we said before... And Scott Rutherford points out, Connacht in 2015, great yeah, minds. Yeah, indeed. Um, built that momentum and saw it through. Now, it wasn't the case of they had few players at the World Cup, so they were able to beat Glasgow and Leinster in the semi-finals and final. It still took a hell of an effort to do that. You can't just say it was because of the World Cup, you know. Mm -hmm. But there is an opportunity for Ulster to make a really strong start and then not be chasing their tails as we've seen in past seasons yeah. 
where you're looking at the last four or five fixtures and saying they need 20 points, 22 points out of these. Their first five games, it's Osprey's home and the two South Africans. Blues at home, Zebra at home. Maximum points? They've got to be looking at those and taking something very close to maximum points. Um, On the basis that we assume they will have all these players to call upon and when everyone's fighting fit and their minds haven't been completely mashed by what may have happened with the World Cup selection, they can um, they can make a very strong statement. They look very strong. They, they, they look in, in, in a good place so that when we reach the, the back end of the tournament, uh, World Cup tournament, when it's stopping and when we're thinking in November about going into Europe, they should really be coming in, I would have thought, um, in a very good place. If they're not, uh, that would be... You know, that, that that's that's really no, I, I can't I can't see that. Yeah. They should really be in a good place. Yeah. Um, Donald points out you mentioned there, Michael, that it is such a big blow for these guys who have missed out in the squad. Mm. Donald points out the other side of it that these guys are coming back with points to prove and maybe uh, <coughs> feeling a little bit aggrieved. Could I suppose it could go either way. It could be could be a negative thing. Could could be a positive thing. That, that depends on the individual. That depends yeah. on how well Dan McFarland gets them, picks them up. Mm-hmm. They're professional players. They should be able to put it at the back of their minds and get on with their primary job, but everyone's human. So you can't definitively say what mentality they will mm-hmm. what they will bring, but you know, you, you're right. You may, the, the, these guys will be wanting to take it out in the best, in, you know, on the pitch, presumably. And uh, if they're able to do that, um, it surely will be beneficial to, uh, to Ulster. And we might have something positive to say for change, but... You know, instead of all this, we're you know, look how many are out and not going, and that it could uh, could have a great spin-off here. Could be Ireland or Ulster's best run for a long time, and you're going to mess it up. And you're not going to be here. <laughs> you'll be you'll be not not allowed back. If myself and Ireland time this right, I mean, I might not do a Pro 14 game until uh, well, a Pro 14 game here until like January. So fingers crossed, did you? Mm. That's planning. I wouldn't say that. <laughs> Would you not? I'm only joking. Not on I'm our own server B podcast. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness, right, listen. Um, on the Ulster property, then, there was a big sort of rumours the last couple of days, which we haven't addressed yet. Martin McGoon flags it up and asks Is there any truth to the suggestion that Ulster are due to sign Thomas Dutois from the Sharks for the World Cup window as injury cover at Tighthead? No. Moving on then. That's all then, yeah. <coughs> oh, not, sorry, we weren't really well, moving on. No, we weren't moving on. Like, people want to know about this, Jonathan. I'm led to believe not. I'm led to believe that while he began transitioning to a tight head, it's not been for this year. So he's been a loose head again for the last year. Played there in the Curry Cup for the Sharks recently as a loose head. All his most recent caps for South Africa came as a loose head. It looks as if the experiment of turning him into a tight head has been written off. Right. Ulster have their loose heads here. We've got their tight head here as well. I could understand if you wanted to have a backup to Marty Moore and you were saying, for whatever reason, we're not comfortable going with Tom O'Toole and Ross Kane. It seems strange to me. In light. Mm-hmm. But in light of the Milosevic injury, you could maybe make the argument. But this guy to me strikes me as a player that 
while he has played tight head at a test level, there's obviously a reason why he's gone back to loose head, mm -hmm. and Ulster don't need a loose head. Which reminds me, actually, mentioning Marty Moore, he also came here with a hope of resurrecting uh -huh. his Ireland career. <laughs> oh, that's the list. Don't <laughs> tell anybody. <laughs> and played really well. Yeah, and played very well, too. Much like Jordy, just didn't, yep, uh, didn't get the nod. There's a theme. There's Is there a, theme a conspiracy there? theory here? Well, people will be willing to find it if there is one. Um, <laughs> Ulster Senior side begin this Saturday then at half one at home to Glasgow. Can't well, wait. Everybody's very excited, especially considering that it's very similar time that Ireland are going to be playing on Saturday. Mm. I say can't wait. <laughs> it's uh, wonderful timing. Uh, Have we any ideas as to the likes? I mean, like, normally Ireland guys are going to be back this week, are they? No. I wouldn't have thought so, no. Yeah, so. Um, but he is plenty of people he can deploy. If you look at the way the Ulster A team has been selected, we assumed that some more senior players would be, and even some of the younger ones who broke through last year, would be seen in this A team. Mm -hmm. But they're not. They've kept it strictly very much academy, sub-academy and club. So he's got, you know, the likes of Rob Balakoon, Michael Lowry, James Hume, you can call upon all these guys. Also, there will be uh, the bench will be considerably bigger. He can call upon. Mm -hmm. I think they can use as many players as they want. Yeah. So he's go we're going to get the first look at these guys now because they've very obviously been kept out of the Celtic Cup. Mm -hmm. It'd be interesting to see all the the new guys in action too. Mm. That's right, the new guys as well. That is Sam Carter. I'd assume would, would be there as well. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I, I I would expect to see them. But whether the Ulster public really want to buy into that when they could be watching Ireland against Wales, I really don't know. So I should say, just on the Ireland guys, um, John Cooney has been back training for a while, oh, yeah, so he might actually yeah. put. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because he's been, he's been back training and for a few weeks. Has Rob Herring been here as well, maybe? Do we know if Rob maybe been back for a bit? Don't know. He shouldn't have been, but you know, yeah. he was only officially cut. Mm -hmm. But you never know, maybe. Yeah, you don't know. People yeah. who were cut were still in Garden House on really? yesterday. Now, we haven't seen the media today, so we don't know if maybe they came back, but there were people who got bad news on Sunday who were then holding tackle bags on Monday. Yeah. Imagine. Imagine. That'd be awful. Smiling for the camera, no doubt. Yeah. Oh. But that's okay because you've got John Andrew, Adam McBurney. I mean, you know, we, that's the great thing about the squad. You, you can you can manage and function without these guys necessarily being here, and that's best. And say Herring, who's not yeah. back. Tom yeah. Stewart, I think maybe if people, people yeah. saw Tom Stewart, I think they'd be, uh, be encouraged as well further. He played well yeah, on Saturday. What about Saxon? People will be buzzing to see well, Saxon yeah. mm -hmm. bursting again, down the wing out there. I thought he might have got a, a look in with Ulster A, but he hasn't. So again, mm -hmm. one assumes he's coming he hasn't played for Ulster A, has he not? No, no. not well, this season. Well, he, might be, he might be playing sevens. Oh, yeah. So well, there's that. He's yeah. got a full calendar. Mm. Yeah. Forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. sevens, yeah. So, speaking of Ulster A, you were both there last weekend mm. when they played Cardiff Blues. Mm -hmm. um, a good win? Yep. Yeah. Very good win. Two bonus point wins. This league has been re. Uh, Calibrated this year, it's a straight league, and the first two, first and second, go into semi. Go straight, sorry, semi final. We're talking about go straight to a final. Mm -hmm. So you need to finish first and second if any shot at silver. Okay. Ulster have done exceptionally well with two bonus point wins, and they play Connacht Eagles at Eden Park on Friday. And you'd be very, I think, you'd be very confident that they would uh, do it again. What players stood out for you last weekend? Um, I thought Nathan Doak had a good game. Because as I said, my big scoop that everybody has been raving about him—he looks a, he looks a real player. Then was that the mm. first time you'd seen him in sort of an Ulster setting? Yeah, I'd seen him obviously play a good few schools games because he's been quite prominent, or part of a prominent team at medallion level and then schools cup level. So I've seen him a few times there. Um, really good kicking game. The new centre, Hayden Hyde, mm. had a good game. Mm. Um, 
I'd heard that he was maybe a bit quieter the week before, but he played he played well on the evidence of what I saw. Israel Allison? Israel Allison, I thought was probably man of the match. If he discount the yellow, yellow card. card, it was very hard to see. Certainly from my vantage point, where they deserved mm. the yellow card, mm. but I thought he he was probably the pick of the bunch for me. David McCann had a really mm-hmm. good game, and Ross Adair played well too. Ross Adair played yeah. well. Callum Reid um, carried really well. They had a wee sort of shaky period in the scrum. Right. I think when they went down, when they were when they lost Allison to the yellow card, there was a shaky period in the scrum, but it wouldn't be for me to say where that was coming from. <laughs> um, but he carried really really well. Yeah, all the, like all those guys were good. They did. I mean, they looked, they looked pretty strong. I mean, I don't know what sort of uh, quality card of were. I think uh, that's the problem because it's very yeah. hard to know. Yeah. So you're maybe winning yeah. for like when they play Leinster, Leinster and it's yeah. players mm-hmm. that you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think it's uh, unprofessional to admit that we don't know too much about the about the card of a setup that's coming over. Uh, that's probably fair enough. Yeah. Don't think you're expected to. <laughs> it's okay. Don't be too hard on yourself. That's all right. So there's plenty of rugby for people to watch this weekend then. Eaton Park, Ulster A's on Friday at 4. Ulster at Kingspan Stadium. Yeah, it is 4. Ulster at Kingspan at half 1. And then on the TV, Ireland against Wales. What time is Ireland against Wales at? No, they're at home. Oh, they're at home, sorry, of course, yeah. It's half 2. Half 2, yeah, so you're not going to be able to get to both Ulster and Ireland. Uh, Well, they overlap and they're 90 miles apart. (laughs) Yeah, so you you, you can watch the Ireland match on your phone when you're sitting at Kingspan. Well, you you could potentially come here, watch a bit, and then go, and they'll probably be showing it potentially downstairs, wouldn't they, in the bar? Maybe? Possibly, yeah. And they've got brand new, almost fully HD screens installed for this new season. Have they? Yeah. I haven't even looked. We're out at Kingspan Stadium today, I forgot to mention. Yeah, waiting for a presser to begin. Yeah. Which, uh, what will we learn to press her? Not much. Uh, Dan McFarland's not here, so we're going to ask Dan, is he going to sign Thomas <laughs> Dutois? But uh, he's not here, so we can't ask him that. No. Looking at a few other record quotes about, um, about things, no. Um, yeah. Well, we'll meet Roddy Grant. Yeah. And we might find out mm. a bit he's going to play this weekend. Which I'm sure people do want to know. They probably do. Yeah, they probably do. Rather than us saying that we don't really know. So if we do find out who's going to play, we could just drop the audio in right here, couldn't we? When yeah, we could. Yeah, this, this, this would be a part that would be a part yeah. And if we don't? <laughs> we'll just drop an off. If, it, if we don't, this is the end of the podcast. Yes, <laughs> so, Here's the yeah. moment of truth. Is there audio? Is there not? So that's pretty much us then. Whether you had audio there or not, that's us for this week. So from Michael Sadler. Goodbye. John Bradley. Cheers, thanks. And myself, Kath Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Ulster Rugby Roundup's World Cup Special, brought to you in association with Remus Uomo, Victoria Square Belfast and Stockists Nationwide.